Lucille from jail as a political prisoner. I'm awaiting trial in Connecticut, but Hoffman sends me to four years for what he calls contempt of court. And any time a man is demanding his lawful, legal, constitutional human rights to have a lawyer of his choice, as is interpreted by the United States Supreme Court, and our demand his right to defend himself is not no contempt of court. The fact that a judge and or the prosecutor, Shelton and Ferran, would manipulate to stop me from uh, exercising this constitutional right is an overt violation of my right to have a fair trial and many other rights. Gag like I was when they tried to shove wads of rag down my mouth in the lockup just outside the courtroom, etc. Forms of cruel and unusual punishment. Even being hit in the testes in the groin area while gagged and shackled and bound to a chair, arms and legs is overtly nothing less than what uh, they intended to do, and that was to railroad me as they railroaded all of us, seven defendants other seven defendants, rather. And I say that we have nothing else, no other alternative but to stand up and act like men and act like human beings and act like free men, demand our constitutional right even to the point of cussing the pig judge out when he uh, overtly denies your constitutional right over and over and over. Let him know he's a fascist, a racist, and a pig. That's all he can be. That's what a Ku Klux Klansman is, and that's what a German Gestapo uh, fascist was and during World War II. And it's the same thing that's going on here in America. So power to the people, and the people should stand up, and the people should let the people know where it's at. And I will always let my people know, and all the people know, the American people know, that we want justice in America and refuse to accept any injustice. The essence of that trial was simply that Hoffman separated and segregated me from the trial when he could have done it in the beginning because the jury was hip. One of the jury members cried, then he turned around and gave me four years for so-called contempt. Later for him, he's a pig, a fascist, and a racist. I say it then, and I say it now. Power to the people, and right on. It is 2.25 p.m. Central Standard Time, November 5, 1969. We are standing on the steps of the federal building in the Chicago Loop. Inside is the United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois. There, for the past six weeks, eight men, who have inevitably become known as the Chicago Eight, have been on trial, charged with conspiracy to cross a state line to incite to riot, and also with the separate crime of having those same intentions as individuals. The eight defendants include veteran pacifist leader David Dellinger. The government actually calls the case the United States versus David Dellinger and others. The others being Yippies, Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman, youth and peace activists Tom Hayden and Rennie Davis, college professor John Freunds, and community organizer Lee Weiner, all white and all free on bail. And finally, 
Black Panther Party chairman Bobby Seale, who was held in jail without bail since he is also charged with first-degree murder in Connecticut. In the past six weeks, the government has been presenting its case against all the defendants. But another issue, which looks as though it may come to an explosive head this afternoon, has almost overshadowed the government's presentation. We'd better move along to the courtroom now. Each of these four doors to the lobby is guarded by six armed marshals. We will have to identify ourselves. May I see your briefcase, We can move along please. now through the lobby to this bank of elevators. There is cartoonist Jules Pfeiffer. Since neither television nor still cameras are allowed in the courtroom, the magazine has commissioned him to sketch his impressions. There's Tom Wicker, covering for the New York Times, journalists from all over the world. This elevator, please. We're on our way to the 23rd floor. What's Judge Hudman going to do? Well, my hunch is he's going to sentence Seal for contempt and see if he can separate him from the trial. After six weeks? 23rd Judge floor. Hoffman's court is two stories high. When we enter it, through those swinging doors up ahead, we will be in an aisle between two rows of wooden benches. Your purse, please. Spectators are searched again you, sir, before being case. seated on the left. On our right, the press, and behind them, friends of the defendants. Let us take our seats. As you see, in the large open space in front of the chair are the defendants at four tables arranged in a large rectangle. At the far end are their attorneys, William Kunstler and Leonard Weinglass. Opposite this group is the prosecution table, Thomas Ferran, Richard Schultz, a junior attorney and an FBI agent who assists them. Behind them is the jury, where sit the 12 jurors and two alternates, all but two of them women. We're probably about to start. Judge Hoffman is already more than 20 minutes late. His bench is elevated well above the court. Behind it are pictures of George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, and Abraham Lincoln. And above them, the great seal of the United States. Through the door which leads to the lockup, Defendant Seal is now being brought into court. All rise. United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois is now in session. The Honorable Julius Hoffman presiding. It is now 2.35 p.m. The jury has not been called in. Twenty, no, 22 marshals are guarding the entrances to the court. They are all armed. Several are standing near the defendant's table. <coughs> there is a matter I wish to take up, gentlemen, before we proceed further with this trial. I think, Mr. Witness, that you may be excused and go into the witness room. Apparently, from the whispering all around us, what we have all assumed is true. This afternoon's business is with Bobby Seale. As you know, Seal had asked before the trial started that it be postponed until his attorney, Charles R. Gary of San Francisco, would be sufficiently recovered from a gallbladder operation to appear for him. Gary himself appeared before Judge Hoffman to request the delay, which would have only been for a few weeks. It was refused. September 12th, Seal was taken from jail in San Francisco by federal marshals. They chained him to two other prisoners and drove him by a very roundabout way to Chicago. In fact, they took six days to get him there and only lodged him in Cook County Jail September 18th. Concerned for Seal's safety and eager in Charles Gary's absence to consult with him, Attorney Kunstler filed an appearance on Seal's behalf with the court. This was required if he was to have the right to see Seal. This filing has ever since been the basis for the court's claim that Seal has an attorney, namely Kunstler. On September 26th, the day the trial began, Seal discharged Kunstler for the record and said he would exercise his right to represent himself. The judge refused to accept this and refused again when Kunstler tried to lodge a withdrawal a few days later. 
Judge Hoffman has maintained to this day and this hour his insistence that Kunstler is Seal's attorney, though Seal says he is not. Kunstler says he is not, and Kunstler and Seal have not consulted together since the trial began. Most of the occasions on which Seal has interrupted the proceedings in the past six weeks have been efforts on his part to assert his right of self-defense, including attempts to interrogate prosecution witnesses as his attorney would have done. The right of self-defense is guaranteed under the Constitution, as well as by statute, and has often been exercised, especially by defendants who feel that they're on trial for their political views and who want not only to defend themselves, but to use the court, insofar as rules of procedure allow, as a political forum. Judges are required to grant this right, provided it is requested early enough in the trial. The witness has left. The defendants, including Bobby Seale, are in place. The courtroom is quiet. And now, Judge Hoffman is about to begin. As I think everyone who has attended the various sessions of this trial must, if he is fair, understand. This court has done its best to prevent or to have repeated efforts to delay and obstruct this trial, which I think have been made for the purpose of causing such disorder and confusion as would prevent a verdict by the jury on the issues presented by the indictment and on the pleas of not guilty thereto. I must now, as I perceive my duty and obligation to be, take proper steps to ensure that the trial, as it continues, be conducted in an atmosphere of dignity, an atmosphere that the defendants and each of them are entitled to have prevail in the trial of this case. So we all know the defendant Bobby G. Seale has been guilty of conduct in the presence of this court during this trial which is not only contumacious in character, but the misconduct was of so grave a character as to continually disrupt the orderly administration of justice. We have in the federal courts the federal rules of criminal procedure, which together with Title 18 of the United States Code represent the rules that the court must interpret and apply in the trial of criminal cases. And in conformity with Rule 42A of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure and Title 18, United States Code, Section 401, I certify at this time that I saw and overheard the conduct of the defendant, Bobby G. Seale, to which I shall refer during these observations, which conduct took place in the actual presence of the court during the trial of this case, which is entitled United States of America versus David Dellinger and others, the case number being... 6-9 CR 180. The trial commenced on September 24, 1969, and has continued through this morning. I find not only from seeing and hearing the conduct to which I am about to refer, the conduct of the defendant's seal, but from reading the transcript of the proceedings, that the act statements and conduct of the defendant's seal, which I shall specify here, each constitute a separate contempt of this court, and that each constituted a deliberate and a willful attack upon the administration of justice. That's a lie. In an attempt to sabotage the functioning of the federal judicial system. That's a lie. I stood up and spoke in behalf of myself. I stood up and spoke in behalf of my rights and to make motions and requests. I don't permit anybody to speak while I am speaking. I stood up and I walked to the lectern and demonstrated the fact that I wanted to cross-examine the witnesses. You allowed these men here and Tom Hayden to go all the way to California to see about my lawyers, which indicated that I tried to persuade you again to recognize it. I was here no more than five minutes, and you're talking about disrupting the proceedings of the trial. That's a lie, and you know it's a lie. 
You're making it very difficult for me, Mr. Oh, Siegel. You're making it very difficult for me, Judge Hall. I tried not to. I have done my best. I have done my best. I have a right to stand up and speak in my own behalf. I do, and you know it. You know you do not have the right I to speak. I have a right to speak. The judge is speaking. I have a right to speak and make requests and make arguments and, and to demonstrate the fact that I want to cross-examine. When you say I disrupt, I have never tried to strike anybody. I have never, I've never tried to hit anybody, and you know it. Never. And in my arguments, my motions, I call you a racist, a fascist, and a pig. And that's what I consider you as. And my arguments and my motions will always carry that as long as my constitutional rights are being denied. So it's a lie, and you know it. I find, I repeat, that the acts, statements, and conduct of the defendant's seal, to which I shall refer specifically, each constituted a separate contempt of this court. That each constituted a deliberate and a willful attack upon the administration of justice in an attempt to sabotage the functioning of the federal judiciary system. That this misconduct was of so grave a character as to continually disrupt the orderly administration of justice. To maintain the dignity of the court and to preserve order in the courtroom under these circumstances has been a task of utmost difficulty. There were, accordingly, as the record shows clearly, repeated warnings and admonitions to the defendant's seal to cease this conduct. And there were warnings that it would be dealt with accordingly at an appropriate time. However, this continued disruptive conduct made it necessary for the court, for the first time within the experience of this court, to physically and forcibly restrain him. Even these measures proved insufficient because of the potential effect that the continuation of these activities might have had in the future on the administration of justice. In this case, I find it is necessary that I deal with his conduct at this time. I have tried, I have endeavored on many occasions to make it clear to the defendant that his conduct was contumacious, but I was not successful, even right down to a few moments ago, in persuading him to so conduct himself as we expect individuals to conduct themselves in the courts of the federal system. As isolated excerpts from or references to the transcript can give but a partial view of the acts, statements, and conduct to which I refer, I make the entire record part of these proceedings. And the court also notes that a reading of this record cannot and does not reflect the true intensity and the extent of the disruption which, in some instances, were accompanied by physical oh, violence. Oh, that's a lie! Which occurred in the presence of the That court. is a lie! I never attacked anyone, you know it! And I never stuck anyone, you know it! A week ago, Seal addressed a group of Panthers in the spectators' section. We of the press heard him tell them to remain cool, but to defend themselves if attacked by marshals. When Judge Hoffman entered the court a few minutes later, Assistant U.S. Attorney Schultz reported this to him as a threat of attack on the court. Seal objected vigorously to this interpretation, but in vain. Accordingly... I, I will stand up in any court in America and say accordingly, that. Accordingly, I adjudge the defendant Bobby Seal guilty of the several criminal contempts to which I shall refer. In citing these specific acts and statements of the defendant Seal as contemptuous, the court has selected only the most flagrant ones. On Friday, September 26, 1969, during the motion session prior to the time opening statements were made, the defendant seal addressed the court in the following manner. I am constantly denied the rights, this right of legal defense of counsel of my choice who is affected by the judge of this court. And I can only see the judge as a blatant racist of the United States uh, court. Just a minute. With just gross a minute. prejudicial error towards all defendants and myself. Just a minute. What did you say? Read that, Mr. Report. I said if my constitutional rights are denied, 
as my constitutional rights have been denied in the past, in the course of this trial, etc., then a tenor is an act of racism, and me, a black man, there seems to be a form of prejudice against me, even to the other defendants on the part of the judge. That is item number one. Number two. During the morning session on October 14, 1969, while the court, Assistant United States Attorney Schultz and Defense Counsel Mr. Wineglass were engaged in a colloquy, the defendant seal interrupted Mr. Wineglass and the following occurred. Hey, 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 you, uh, you don't speak for me. I would like to speak on behalf of my own self and have my own counsel handle my case in behalf of myself. Hey, how come I can't speak on behalf of myself? I'm my own legal counsel. I don't want these lawyers to represent me. You have a me. lawyer of record, and he has been of record here for you since September 24. I have been arguing that before the jury heard one shred of evidence. I don't want these lawyers because I can take up my own legal defense. And my lawyer is Charles Garrett. I direct you, sir, to remain quiet. And just be real. Will you remain quiet? <laughs> I want to defend myself. Do you mind, please? Let the record show the defendant seal continued to speak after the court courteously requested him to remain quiet. Item number three. During the morning session of October 16, 1969, out of the presence of the jury, while the witness Oklapek was testifying, a colloquy began between the court, a marshal, and Mr. Kunstler. After a marshal explained that three spectators who were asked to leave the court had been allowed to return, the defendant seal stated to the court, quote, I think there is a bit of racism involved myself, unquote. They were black spectators. When defense attorney Kunstler objected to their ouster, they were readmitted. The marshal said he thought one of them had been sleeping. Item number four. During the afternoon session on October 20th, 1969, out of the presence of the jury... The defendant seal presented and extensively argued a motion to be permitted to defend himself. At the conclusion of the argument, the jury returned to the courtroom and the following occurred. Is there any cross-examination of this particular witness? I would like to say, Judge, that um, <clears throat> you have denied my motions to defend myself, and you know that the jury is prejudiced against me. I will ask you to sit down. You know that. You know that the jury can't go home to their loved ones and their homes, and you know that they have been made prejudice against me. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are excused. Early in the trial, two jurors had received threatening letters signed the Black Panther. These letters were then turned over to the judge, who showed one of them to the first of the two jurors and asked whether she could continue to keep an open mind. She said that she could not and was dismissed. She added that she had not seen the letter until the judge had shown it to her since her parents had opened it in her absence and delivered it immediately to the FBI. The second juror said that she was not bothered by the letter. Nevertheless, the entire jury has been locked up for the rest of the trial. They have been made prejudice against me, I know. I should be allowed to defend myself. I should be allowed to speak so I can defend myself. Be quiet. Don't tell me to shut up. I've got a right to speak. I need to speak to defend myself. Mr. Seal, I must admonish you that any outburst such as you have just indulged in will be appropriately dealt with at the right time during this trial, and I must order you not to do it again. In other words, Judge... And if you do, you do it at your own risk, sir. In other words, you're saying you're going to put me in contempt of court for speaking on behalf of myself. I will not argue with you, Is Mr. That Marshall... What is that what you're saying to me? I mean, I want to be clear. I want you to be quiet. That is all. You have a lawyer to speak for. Of course, because I want to speak on behalf of myself. 
I didn't put you there, sir. But because I'm speaking on behalf of myself, to have a right to speak to defend myself... Yes, sir. If the court pleases, there's one thing that has not been stated. This is prosecuting attorney Richard Schuert speaking. The jury is prejudiced against me, all right, and you know it. <laughs> because of those threatening letters. Those so-called jive-threatening letters. You know it's a lie. How can that jury possibly give me a fair trial? Mr. Marshall, will you go to that man and ask him to be quiet? I will speak for myself. They can't speak on behalf of myself. I still want to defend myself. I have... I know I have a right. I just want to let him know that racist, that fascist... You know, you know the black man, the black man tries to get a fair trial in this country. The United States government, huh? Nixon and the rest of them. Go ahead and continue. I'll just sit back here and watch you get railroaded. If the court please, there is one thing that has not been placed on the record. The fact that since the trial began, in fact, I think since September 24, as far as I know, and I think this is 100% accurate, whenever the defendants have wanted to meet with Mr. Seal and the lawyers, the marshals have made arrangements to bring them to a room where all of them could get together, where Mr. Seal and the defendants and the lawyers have all met and consulted at every occasion that they have so requested. It has been done on a regular basis since the trial did begin. I just thought that should be on the record. If there is any statement by defense counsel to the contrary, since I'm not at the meetings and I don't know how many times they have asked the marshals to meet, I think they should so state now. I would like to put something on the record. Now, you weren't there in that room unless you got a tape recorder in there. I am asking you to keep... That man is lying on me! All right. I met with these defendants and argued with these so-called cats about so-called defending me. I want that on the record, too. Item number five. During the morning session on October 22, 1969, while argument on a motion of attorney William Kunstler for leave to withdraw as counsel for the defendant's seal, the following occurred in open court. Can I speak on that and answer his arguments? No, this is not your motion, sir. Your motion has been decided. In other words, I can't speak in behalf of myself. Not at this time, sir. Why not? This is your lawyer's motion. That ain't my lawyer. This is not your motion. This is the motion of Mr. William Kunstler for leave to withdraw as your lawyer. Well, this man has misconstrued a whole lot of things concerning my rights to defend myself, and he knows he did. They can't jack you up and get you to sit up there and say rotten, crazy stuff concerning my rights to defend myself. I would request the marshal to ask the young man to sit down. I still... Well, I want my right to defend myself. And this man knew. I indicated to him he was not my counsel at the very beginning when I first got here and arrived and was put in jail. That motion, since you will not listen to the court, you may sit down. Have him sit down, Mr. Marshall. I still want my right to defend myself. A railroad operation. You know it. From Nixon on down. They got you running around here violating my constitutional rights. Item number six. During the morning session on October 22, 1969, in the presence of the jury, prosecuting attorney Schultz is speaking. Your Honor, before the next witness testifies, would it be possible if the court would permit the government... Well, we haven't offered the picture, as a matter of fact. We have the picture of the boy with the black power symbol fist on his sweatshirt that was identified by Officer Tobin and Car Serrano as the is boy... The government's exhibit number 14. That's the one. We're going to move to offer that exhibit in evidence at that well, time. to the council. That is no black power sign. Somebody correct the court on that. That is not the black power sign. It's power to the people. The marshal, will you stop the talking, please? Uh, yes, but that is still wrong, Judge Hoffman. It is not the black power sign. It is power to the people sign. And he is deliberately distorting that. 
and that is a racist technique. If the court please, this man has repeatedly called me a racist. <laughs> yes, you are. You are, Dick Schultz. And called Mr. Foran a racist. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I will ask you to leave the court. Mr. Marshall, remove the ladies and gentlemen of the jury. The following proceedings were had in open court, out of the presence and hearing of the jury. Mr. Seal and Mr. Kunstler, your lawyer, I must admonish you that such outbursts are considered by the court to be contemptuous, contumacious, and will be dealt with appropriately in the future. Your Honor... The defendant was trying to defend himself, and I have already the indicated... was not defending himself. I was, too, defending myself. Anytime someone gives me the wrong symbol in this courtroom, he's deliberately... He is not addressing me with authority. ...distorting and putting it on the record. Instruct that man to keep quiet. I want to defend myself and ask him if he isn't lying. He's going to put that lying crap on the record. No, sorry, huh? I'm not going to sit here and get that on the record. I'm not going to, I mean, at least I'm going to let it be known. Request that you understand that this man is erroneously representing symbols directly related to the party in which I am chairman. Item number seven. In the afternoon session on October 22nd, 1969, the court informed the defendant seal that the court would supervise the decorum in the courtroom and the following occurred in open court. They don't take orders from racist judges, but I can convey the orders for them and they will follow them. Seal is referring to a group of Panthers in the spectator section. If you continue with that sort of thing, you may expect to be punished for it. I warned you right through this trial and I warn you again, sir. Bring in the jury. We protest our rights for 400 years. I mean, we've been shot, killed, murdered, brutalized, oppressed for 400 years because... There is another instance. That outburst may appear of record, and it does. Did you get it? Yes, sir. I hope you got my part for the record, too, concerning that. Did you get that? Yes, sir. Thank you. And that outburst, too? I think you should understand that we support Bobby Steele in this. At least I do. That was defended David Dellinger. I haven't asked you for any advice, sir. If you let me defend myself, uh, you you could uh, instruct me on the proceedings that I can't act. But all I have to do... You will have to be quiet. All I have to do is clear the record. I want to defend myself in behalf of my constitutional rights. Let the record show the defendant seal has refused to be quiet in the face of the admonition and the direction of the court. Let the record show that Bobby Seal speaks out on behalf of his constitutional rights. His rights to defend himself, his rights to speak on behalf of his constitutional rights in this courtroom. And again, let the record show that he has disobeyed the order of the court. Bring in the jury, Mr. Marshall. Please do. At the opening of the morning session on October 27th, 1969, the following occurred in open court. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, good morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. As I said before, I I hope you don't blame me for anything. Mr. Marshall, will you tell that man to sit down? Take a seat, Mr. Seal. Mr. Marshall, I think Mr. Seal is saying something there. I know I'm saying something. You know I'm getting ready to uh, speak out on behalf of my constitutional rights again, don't you? I will ask you to sit down, sir. Sit down. You also know that I'm speaking out for the right to defend myself again, don't you? Because uh, I have a right as, as a defendant, don't I? I will have to add... Now, Mr. Sit down, Mr. C. Uh, what about my, my constitutional rights to defend myself and have uh, my lawyer? constitutional You right. have been denying them. You have been denying them. Every other word you've said is denied, denied, denied. 
and you're beginning to oink in the faces of the masses of people of this country. That's what you're beginning to do. You're beginning to represent the corruptness of this rotten government for 400 years. Mr. Seal, will you sit down? Why don't you just try knocking me in the mouth? Try that. Sit down. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I regret I will have to excuse you. Hey, uh, uh, I hope that you don't blame me for anything. I mean, those false lying notes and, and letters that were sent that said the Black Panther Party threatened that jury. And that, that's a lie, and you know it's a lie. And, and the government did it to taint that jury against me. The following proceedings were had in open court out of the presence and hearing of the jury. You got that? That racist, fascist, administrative government with its Superman notions and, and comic book b politics. You, we're hip to the fact that Superman never saved no black people. You got that? I might say, Your Honor, you know that I have tried to withdraw from this, and you know that I Mr. Seal... I don't know what you've tried to do, Mr. Kunzler. I know that your appearance is of record, and I know I have your assurance orally of record that you represent this man. You have a withdrawal of that assurance, Your Honor. You knew that on September 30th. You knew that Mr. Seal had discharged You me. represent him, and the record shows it. Your Honor... We can't go on those semantics. This man wants to defend himself. This isn't semantics. I'm not fooled by all this business. I still demand the right to defend myself. You're not fooled. <laughs> After you've walked over people's constitutional rights? Sit down, Mr. After Seale. you have walked over people's constitutional rights. The Sixth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, and the phoniness and the corruptness of this very trial. For people have the right to speak out. Freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, etc. And, and, and you... And you did everything you could with those jive-lying witnesses up there, presented by those, those pig agents of the government to lie and, and say and condone rotten, racist, fascist crap by racist cops and pigs that beat people over the heads. <coughs> and, I, and I demand my constitutional right. Demand, yeah. demand, demand! Yeah. <coughs> bring in the jury. The marshal, bring in the jury, please. Item number nine. During the direct examination of the witness, William Frappoli, on October 27th, 1969, the following occurred. I object to that because my lawyer is not here. I have been denied my rights to defend myself in this courtroom, and I object to this man's testimony against me because I have not been allowed my constitutional rights. I repeat to you, sir, that you have a lawyer. Your lawyer is Mr. Kunstler, who represented to the court that he represents you. He does not represent and me. he has filed an appearance. Ladies and gentlemen, I will excuse you. May I say I have withdrawn or attempted to withdraw? The defense filed a motion before the jury heard any evidence, and I object to that testimony. For your information, sir, I do not hear parties to a case who are not represented by lawyers. You are represented by a lawyer. I am not represented by a lawyer. I am not rep represented by here by Charles Gary for your information. Sit down, Mr. Now, C. Now, you just keep on this. Keep on what? Keep, just, keep on just what? Just sit down. Keep on what? Keep on getting denied my constitutional rights? Will you rights? be quiet? I object to that man's... Can't I object to that man there sitting up there testifying against me and my constitutional rights to my lawyers being here? Now I still object. And I object because you know it's wrong. You've denied me my rights to defend myself. You think that black people don't have minds. Well, we've got good minds. I mean, we've got big minds and good minds, and we know how to come forward with constitutional rights, or the so-called constitutional rights. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to talk in behalf of my constitutional rights, man. In behalf of myself, that, that my constitutional rights to talk, to, in, to be able to defend myself in my, in my constitutional rights. 
Bring in the jury, Mr. Marshall. I still object to that man's testifying against me without my lawyer being here. Without me having the right to defend myself. You know, black people ain't supposed to have minds. That's what you think. But we've got bodies and we've got a mind. And I wonder, did you lose yours in your Superman syndrome? Comic book stories. You know, you must have to deny us our constitutional rights. all of this, Mr. Reporter? I hope she got it all. The following proceedings were had in open court within the presence and hearing of the jury. Taint that jury against me. Send them threatening letters that I never sent. You know it's a lie. You keep them from their homes, and then they blame me every time they come into this room because they're being kept away from their homes, and you did it. Are you going to stop? I'm going to talk in behalf of my constitutional rights. You may continue, Mr. Schultz, with the direct examination of this witness, and I note, Mr. Seal, that your counsel has remained quiet during your dissertation. You know what? I have no counsel here. I mean, I fired that lawyer before the jury heard anything, and you know it. That jury hasn't heard all the motions you denied behind the scenes, how you tricked that juror out of the stand there with that threat by threatening her with that jive letter that you know darn well I didn't send, which is a lie. And they blame me every time they're being kept away from their loved ones and their homes. They blame me every time they come into this room. And, and I never sent those letters, and you know it. Please continue with the direct examination. On October 28, 1969, this is item number 10. On October 28, 1969, during the afternoon session, while the witness William Frappoli was testifying on cross-examination, the following occurred in open court. Mr. Weinglass, do you want to cross-examine this witness? I would like to request to cross-examine this witness. You have a lawyer here. This man is not my lawyer. This man has made statements against me. Furthermore, he violated... Title 1892 of the United States. Well, you're still violating it. Seal is referring to Title 42, U.S. Code Section 1981, which cites a Reconstruction-era statute which granted black men equal protection under the law. He had the numbers incorrect. Sit down, Mr. Seal. You violated the code. You violated the... And you won't recognize it. So I would like to cross-examine the witness. Will you sit down, sir? I still want to cross-examine the witness. Well, you may not. May I remove the jury, please? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you may be excused. (laughs) After the jury was excused, the defendant, Seal, continued to refuse to obey the order of the court to remain silent. Thereupon, the following occurred in open court. Let the record show that the defendant... Let the record show you violated that. And a black man cannot be discriminated against in relationships to his legal defense. And that is exactly what you have done. You have, you know. Let the record show that. The record shows exactly to the contrary. Let the record show that you are violating, that you violated my constitutional rights. I want to cross-examine the witness. I want to cross-examine the witness. Bring in the jury, Mr. Marshall, and we will let them go for the evening. I... I admonish you, sir, that you have a lot of contemptuous conduct against you. I admonish you. You are in contempt of the people's constitutional rights. You are in contempt of the constitutional rights of the masses of people of the United States. You are the one in contempt of the people's constitutional rights. I am in contempt of nothing. You are the one who is in contempt. The people of America need to admonish you and the whole Nixon administration. Let me cross-examine the witness. You won't even let me read... You won't even let me read my statements this morning, my motions this morning, concerning the fact that I want a copy of the transcript for my own legal defense. Bring in the jury. Is he getting the jury? Yes, Your Honor. Tell him just to bring him before the box. 
I want to cross-examine the witness. Let the record show that the judge was laughing. <laughs> yes, he is laughing. You made that remark. The defendant, Hayden, Your Honor, made the remark. And me. Let the record show that... I still want to cross-examine the witness to defend myself. The jury was then returned to the courtroom to be excused for the day, during which time the defendant, Seal, continued to speak. Thereafter, the following occurred in open court. You may sit down. I must admonish the defendant and his counsel. Counsel ain't got nothing to do with it. I'm my own counsel. And you're not doing very well for yourself. Yes, that's because you violated my constitutional rights, Judge Hoffman. That's because you violated them overtly and deliberately in a very racist manner. You know, somebody ought to point out to you the law, the law to you. You, you don't want to investigate it to see whether the people get their constitutional rights. 68,000 black men died in the Civil War for their rights. That right was made during the Reconstruction period. They fought in that war and 68,000 of them died. That law was made for me to have my constitutional rights. You want to listen to me for a moment? Why should I continue to listen to you unless you're going to give me my constitutional rights and let me defend myself? I am warning you, sir, that the law... Instead of warning me, why don't you warn me that I, I've got a right to defend myself, huh? I am warning you that a court has a right to gag you. Now, I don't want to do that. Under the law, you may be gagged and chained to your chair. Gagged? I'm being railroaded. I'm being railroaded already. The court has that right. The court has and no I... right whatsoever. The court has no right to stop me from speaking out in behalf of my constitutional rights. Because it, it is denying because it is denying me the right of my constitutional right to speak out in behalf of myself and my legal defense. The court will be in recess until tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. Everyone will please rise. I am not rising. I am not rising until he recognizes my constitutional right. As for him, he's not recognizing my constitutional Mr. Marshall. I am not rising. This is the 11th item of contempt Judge Hoffman is citing. If the court please, before you came into this courtroom, if the court please, Bobby Seal stood up and addressed this group of Panthers. That's right, brother. And Bobby Seal said that if he I is... I spoke in... out on behalf of my constitutional rights. I have a right to speak out on behalf of my constitutional rights, and that's right. And he told these people and his audience, if the court please, and I want this on the record, it happened this morning that if he's attacked, they know what to do. I can speak in behalf of my constitutional rights, too. He was talking to these people about an attack by them. You're a liar. Dirty liar. I told them to defend themselves. You're a rotten, rotten, racist, pig, fascist liar. That's what you are. Yeah, you're a rotten liar. A rotten liar. You're a fascist pig liar. I told them. I said, they have a right to defend themselves if they are attacked. And I hope that the record carries that. And I hope that the record shows that Tricky Dicky Schultz here is working for the Richard Nixon administration. And they all understand that Tricky Dicky Schultz is a liar. And we have a right to defend ourselves if we are attacked. And if I am attacked, I will defend myself. Mr. Marshall. Mr. Marshall, I will direct the marshals to clear the courtroom in the event laughter occurs again. Clear the courtroom of spectators if that occurs again. The record show there was loud laughter among the spectators. If the court please, that is what he said just as he related it. You're darn right. In terms of a physical attack by a the people in this... A physical attack by those damn marshals, that's what I said. That's and if they attack right. any people, they have a right to defend themselves who die in Let the record show the tone of Mr. Seal's voice was one of shrieking and pounding on the table and shouting. And that will be dealt with appropriately at some time in the future. 
If a witness is uh, on the stand and testifies against me, I stand up and speak out on behalf of my right to have my lawyers and defend myself, and you deny me that, I have a right to make those requests. I have a right to make those demands on my constitutional rights. I have a constitutional right to speak. And if you try to suppress my constitutional right to speak out on behalf of my constitutional rights, then I can only see you as a bigot and a racist and a fascist. And I have said it before and I clearly indicated on the records. Where's go, baby? Yeah. Item number 12. On October 29, 1969, during the morning session, when the cross-examination of the witness Frappoli was completed, the following occurred in open court. Is there any redirect examination? Before the redirect, I would like to request again demand that I be able to cross-examine the witnesses. My lawyer is not here, and I think I have a right to defend myself in this courtroom. Well, take the jury out, and they may go to lunch with the usual order. You have George Washington and Benjamin Franklin sitting in a picture behind you, and they were slave owners. That's what they were. They were slave owners, and you were acting in the same manner by denying me my constitutional right to be able to cross-examine the witnesses. You have... You have had that direct examinations. We have had cross-examinations by other defendants and lawyers, and I have a right to cross-examine the witness. Mr. Seal, I have admonished you previously. I have a right to cross-examine the witnesses. I have admonished you what might happen to you if you keep on talking. I still talking. have a right to cross-examine the witnesses. Why don't you recognize my constitutional rights? Mr. Kunstler has his appearance on record here as your attorney. He is not my lawyer. You have forced... You have made your choice of who you think should represent me, and that's not true. I make the choice of Charles or Gary to represent me. We are going to recess now, young man. And if you keep Look this... Look to me more than what Benjamin Franklin and George Washington did to black people in slavery. What can happen to me more than that? And I might add that since it's been said here that all of the defendants support you in your position, I might conclude that they are bad risks for bail. And I say that to you, Mr. Kutzler, that if you can't control your client... I still demand my constitutional rights as a defendant in this case to defend myself. I demand the right to be able to cross-examine the witnesses. He has made statements against me, and I want my rights... May the record show, may the record show, if the court please, that while the marshals were seating Bobby Seale, pushing him in the chair... The defendant, Dellinger, physically attempted to interfere with the marshals by pushing them out of I the way. I want my right! I want my right to defend myself! Yeah. I want my right to defend myself in this trial! Yeah. I want my rights recognized! Mr. Kutzler, I will address you if you'll stand up. I was going to address you, Your Honor, because you had made some remarks. He doesn't represent me! I can address, you can address him all you want. He doesn't represent me. He doesn't represent me. You can address him all you want. They are the ones that's pushing me. Your Honor, I can tell you made you a that threat Mr. about Dillinger, my... That's his name, Mr. Dillinger, whatever it is, has said here that they support the performances of this man, the statements of this man. They support his right to have a lawyer or to defend himself. And you told me you were his lawyer. Your Honor... He is not my I lawyer! I have the transcript right here. Your Honor, we have gone over that. I told you I fired him before the trial began. You haven't explained I to have me. explained it fully. I have been discharged. No, you haven't, and you will. I told you. On the 27th, I and I told you, you on the 30th. I tell you someday you will have to explain it. That is another threat to the lawyers, Your Honor. We have had now so I many... Now I will tell you this. That since it's been said here that all of the defendants support this man in what he's doing, I, over the noon hour, will reflect on whether they are good risks for bail, and I shall give serious consideration to the termination of their bail if you can't control your clients 
and you couldn't yesterday afternoon. I am not, I am not a defendant. He is not my lawyer. I want my right to defend myself. I want my right to defend no, myself. No. Your Honor, Your Honor, they said this morning they supported fully his right to defend himself or to have his lawyer of choice. And if that is the price of their bail, then I guess that will have to be the price of their bail. Now, let me tell you... I have a right to defend myself. That's what you... Will you, Mr. Marshall, have that man sit down? You're trying to make some jive bargaining operation that's different from the right that I have. I have a right to defend myself. I still have a right to defend myself whether you sit me down or not. I still got a right to defend myself. I got a right to speak out on behalf of my own defense. I have a right to speak out on behalf of my own defense, and you know it. You know it. Why don't you recognize my right to defend myself? May the record show that the defendant Dellinger did the same thing just now. And I saw it myself. Your Honor, he is trying to see what is happening. I want the constitutional right to defend myself. I want the right to cross-examine witnesses. Why don't you recognize the law of this very land? Give me my constitutional right to defend myself. At the beginning of the afternoon session on October 29, 1969, Court and counsel engaged in a lengthy colloquy during which the following occurred. Your Honor, I would just like about two minutes to respond. Since he has made all these statements, can I say something to the court? No, thank you. Why not? Because you have a lawyer, and I'm not going to go through all that again. He is not my lawyer. How come I can't say anything? He has distorted everything, and it's related to the fact that I have a right to defend myself. I have you to sit down. If there's been any distortion by anybody, I'm perfectly capable of understanding it. I don't think you will, see? I don't think you will. Your past actions of denying me the constitutional right to defend myself... Did you want to reply, Mr. Kunstler? Yes, I did. I want to reply. I was talking to Mr. Kunstler, if you don't mind. Then I have nothing further to say, Your Honor. Bring in the jury, please. What about Section 1982, Title 42 of the Code, where it says a black man cannot be discriminated against in any legal defense in any court in America? Mr. Seal, do you know what is going to happen to you? You just got through saying that you observed the law. That law protects my right not to be discriminated against in my legal defense. Why don't you recognize that and let me defend myself? From the first time when I, I asked, when I attempted to make an opening statement, you stopped me and denied me that I right. I will not hear you now. I am asking you to be silent. I want to know, will you? Oh, look, it's a form of racism. Racism is what's stopping my argument. Hold the jury, Mr. Marshall. My argument is, and I will argue that point, that you recognize my constitutional rights to defend myself. Mr. Seale, do you want to stop, or do you want me to direct the motion? I want to argue the point about this, this so, so, so that you can get an understanding of the fact that I have a right to defend myself. We will take a recess. Mr. Marshall, take the defendant into the room in there and deal with him as he should be dealt with in this circumstance. I still want to be represented. I want to represent myself. Mr. Kunstler, will you instruct the defendant, sir, that it is the order of the court that they will arise upon the recess? If that is a direction of the court, I certainly will pass it on. The record showed none of the defendants have stood at this recess in response to the marshal's request. Let the, the court record, will be in recess for let a few the record minutes. Show. The court will take a brief recess. Let the record show. 
court thereupon ordered the defendant seal removed from the courtroom, at which time he was forcibly restrained by binding and gagging. The defendant seal was then returned to the courtroom, but continued to shout through the gag. The court then ordered the marshal to reinforce the gag. The gag was then reinforced, and the defendant seal was returned to the courtroom. Eventually, the jury was allowed in the courtroom for the afternoon session. Item number 14. The next day, October 30th, 1969, at the opening of the morning session, the court ordered the marshal to adjust the restraint on the defendant seal after he had complained of discomfort. Upon the request of Mr. Weinglass and with the agreement of Mr. Schultz, Judge Hoffman ordered the marshal to loosen the elastic bandage which has begun to choke Mr. Seal. I will excuse you, ladies and gentlemen, with the usual admonition. The following proceedings were had in open court out of the presence and hearing of the jury. Your Honor, are we going to stop this medieval torture that is going on in this courtroom? I think this is a disgrace. This guy is putting his elbow in Bobby's mouth, and it wasn't necessary at that all. This is no Jay longer Rubin. a court of order, Your Honor. This is a medieval torture chamber. It is a disgrace. They are assaulting the other defendants Look at also. That. Look at that. Your Honor. This is an unholy disgrace to the law that is going on in this courtroom, and I, as an American lawyer, feel a disgrace. Created by Mr. Kunstler. Created by nothing other than what you have done to this man. You can down here watch it, Judge. May the record show that the outbursts are by the defendant, Reuben. Somebody going to protect him. Your Honor, may the record show that that is Mr. Dellinger saying someone go to protect him, and the other comment is by Mr. Rubin. And my statement, too. Everything you say will be taken down. Your Honor, we would like the names of the marshals. We are going to ask for a judicial investigation of the entire condition and entire treatment of Bobby Seal. You ask for anything you want, and you begin to keep your word around here that you gave the court... Perhaps I just done. feel so utterly ashamed to be an American lawyer at this time. You should be ashamed of your conduct in this case, sir. Thereafter, because of the chaos in the courtroom, the morning session of court recessed. During the afternoon session on Thursday, October 30th, 1969, the following occurred. I would like to cross-examine the witness. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I will have to excuse you. My constitutional rights have been violated. The direct examination is over, and cross-examination is over, and I would like to cross-examine the witness. Please be quiet, sir. I will order you to be quiet. I have a right to cross-examine the witness. I want to cross-examine the witness at this time. I object to you not allowing me to cross-examine the witness. You know I have a right Ladies to do so. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you're excused until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. I must order you not to talk with anybody about this case or let anybody speak with you about it. Do not read the newspapers or any other journals. Do not listen to radio or television or look at television. And if anybody attempts to communicate with you about this case in any manner, please get in touch with the United States Marshal, who will in turn lay the matter before me. You're excused until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Marshal, you may take the jury out. Now, I want to tell you, Mr. Seal, again, and I thought you were going to adhere to my directions. You sat there and did not, during this afternoon, intrude into the proceedings in an improper way. I never intruded until it was the proper time for me to ask and request and demand that I have a right to defend myself. I have a right to cross-examine the witnesses. I sit through, through other cross-examinations, and after the cross-examinations were over, I requested 
demanded my right to cross-examine the witnesses, and in turn demanded my right to defend myself. Since you cannot sit up, up here, you cannot sit up here and, and continue to deny me my constitutional rights to defend myself. I sit throughout cross-examinations and I have, I have never said anything. I am not attempting to disrupt this, this trial. I'm attempting to get my right to defend myself recognized by you. You have employed one of the most competent lawyers I have ever seen. He is not employed by me. He is not, and you know that Charles R. Gary is my only lawyer, and he's not here. And I have a written appearance here in his own handwriting. I fired him. He filed an appearance to see me in jail before this trial began. Mr. Charles Gary is the only one I have ever agreed that would be my trial counsel, and you know that. I must tell you, sir, the time is running out. If you're going to persist in this sort of thing, the court will have to deal appropriately with your conduct. I have a right to object. I have a right. Mr. Marshall, the court will be in recess. I have a right to my constitutional right. Yeah. The court will be in recess until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Item number 16. On Wednesday, November 5th, 1969, during the morning session, following the direct examination of the witness Ray, the following took place. I would like to approach the lectern. You may not cross-examine. Well, I think I have a right to cross-examine. Well, you have no right in the circumstances of this case. Why did you follow me? Uh, could you please tell me, Mr. The witness? The witness is a deputy sheriff of San Mateo County in California who has testified to Seal's purchase of a ticket at San Francisco Airport. Mr. Seal, Mr. Seal, I ask you to sit down. Have you ever killed a Black Panther Party member? Mr. Seal, I will have, have you to ever ask been you on any down, raids please. in the Black Panther Party office or the Black Pan Panther Party member's home? Mr. Seal, this is the third time I'm asking you to sit down as courteously as possible. Why won't you let me? cross-examine the witness, man, and, and defend myself. Because you're not entitled to. This man... You have a lawyer of record who signed his appearance in his own handwriting. This man was fired. He is not my lawyer. Before the jury heard one shred of evidence, before one witness had ever raised his hand and sworn in this trial, and that's when the trial started. You may not stand up. This man is not my counsel. Will you sit down, please? He is not the representative of me. I am trying to defend myself. I am being railroaded. Will you sit down, sir? Why don't you see that I have a right to try and cross-examine the witness? I have a right to defend myself. I am saying that you do not have the right at this particular juncture, Me! Sir. Myself! My own person have no right to defend myself. This is an erroneous, complete, overt, fascist, fascist attempt, a fascist operation ladies of denying me my constitutional jury, right. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I ask you to leave the court. <laughs> How about that, huh? How about that? You're talking about <coughs> insulting you. You're the one that's insulting me. Insulting the people of the world. Insulting the people of America. You know it. Gentlemen, we will recess until 2 o'clock. For order that pursuant to the authority vested in the court by Rule 42A of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure and by Title 18, United States Code Section 401, the defendant, Bobby Seale, will be punished for contempt. I will hear from you, Mr. Consul. Your Honor... I have already indicated that because I have been discharged, I can say nothing for Mr. Seal. He wants to be his own attorney, as Your Honor has read at least 30 or 40 times from your own opinion. And I think that I would be derelict in my duty to my understanding of my right and liability as an attorney here were I to speak for him now. Mr. Seal, you have a right to speak now. I will hear you. For myself? In your own behalf, yes. Oh, how come I couldn't speak before? 
This is a special occasion. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. Now you're going to try to... You're going to attempt to punish me for attempting to speak for myself before, huh? I mean, now, now after you punish me, you're going to sit up and say something about you can speak now. What kind of jive is that? I mean, I don't understand it. What kind of court is this? Is this a court? You know, it must be a fascist operation like I see it in my mind, you know? I don't understand you. I am calling on you. You just uh, read a complete record of my trying to persuade you, trying to show you, demonstrate my rights, demonstrating to you the need and showing you all this stuff about my rights to defend myself, my rights to defend myself, history, slavery, etc. And you're going to sit there and say something about, okay, you can talk now. What am I supposed to talk about? I still haven't got the right to defend myself. I would like to talk about that. I would like to, uh, uh, since you're letting me stand up and speak, can I talk in behalf of... Uh, can I defend myself? You may speak to the matters that I have discussed here today, matters dealing with your contemptuous conduct. The law obligates me to call on you to speak at this time. About what? About the fact that I want a right to defend myself? That's all I'm speaking about. No, about possible punishment for contempt of court. Punishment? You've punished black people all your life. I mean you. They even say that you own a factory that produces raw material to kill people in Vietnam, you know? So it's nothing. I mean, death is nothing. I mean, it's, it's, if, if that's what you're talking about, I mean, putting me in jail or in prison or, or handling people and all that stuff, I have nothing to say about that. But I have something to say about the fact that I want to defend myself still. I want my right to be able to stand up and cross-examine the witnesses. I want that. So I, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I have tried to make it clear. All you've made clear to me is that uh, you don't want me, you refuse to let me. I mean, you will not go by my persuasions, my arguments, my motions, my request to be, to, ex to the extent of even having to shout aloud to get on the record. So to me, half the time, you don't want to listen to me. You don't want to let a man stand up and contend to tell you that that man is not my lawyer. Show you and point out the fact, in fact, made motions and told you that I fired the man. And to stand up here and right. say, look, I have a right to defend myself continuously over and over again. Even to the point where just recently, Friday, you recognized that I did have only one lawyer by letting this man and, and uh, Thomas Hayden go all the way to talk to Charles Gary to see about coming out here for me. Which begins to show me that I am, am beginning to persuade you to do something. At least allow somebody to investigate my situation. And now what are you talking about? I mean, now all of a sudden on the record. I want to make right it clear. I don't want to be questioned any further. The law gives you the right to speak out now in respect to possible punishment for contempt of court, sir. Well, the first thing, I'd, I'm not in contempt of no court. I know that. I know that as a person and as a human being, I have the rights to stand up in, in the court and use his constitutional rights to speak in behalf of his constitutional rights. And that's very clear, I hope. That's all I have to say. I still want to cross-examine the witnesses. I make those requests. I make my motions, and I make those requests. And I will continue to make those requests, hoping that once, in one way along this trial, you will recognize my rights as a human being, as a black man living under the scope and influence of a decadent, America, where the government of the United States does not recognize the black man's constitutional rights and have never recognized them since 1867 to the Dred Scott case situation. In a period of slaves, you have never recognized them, and here you are now.
And all I can say is that you're probably acting in the same manner as Benjamin Franklin and George Washington. And we're helped to that kind of business. Oh, but you are mistaken about that. Oh, yes, you're acting in the same manner as those courts acted in those, those period of slavery history, and you know it. That's what you're doing. You know, if a black man stands up and speaks, if a black man asks for his rights, if a black man demands his rights, if a black man requests, requests his rights, what do you do? You start talking about punishment. If a black man gets up and speaks on behalf of the world... Are you addressing me, sir? I'm talking, and you see I'm talking. That's right, but if you address me, you're going to have to stand. <laughs> stand? Oh, ho, ho. stand now. Now, let's see. First, you said I couldn't stand. Well, I've got a suit, and I'm going to a higher court, possibly to the highest court in America. In conformity, in conformity with the provisions of Rule 42A of the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, I shall certify that the series of criminal contempts committed as described by the court in its oral observations and specifications 1, 2, and including 16 were committed in actual presence of the court, and were seen or heard by the court during the trial of the case of the United States of America versus David T. Dellinger and others, uh, 69CR180. I find that the acts, statements, and conduct of the defendant, Bobby Seale, constituted a deliberate and a willful attack upon the administration of justice, an attempt to sabotage the functioning of the federal judiciary system, and a misconduct of so grave a character as to make the mere imposition of a fine, a futile gesture, and a wholly insignificant punishment. And accordingly, I adjudge Bobby G. Seal guilty of each and every specification referred to in my oral observations. And the court will impose... Uh, strike that. And the defendant Seal will be committed to the custody of the Attorney General of the United States or his authorized representative for imprisonment for a term of three months on each and every specification, the sentences to run consecutively. I furthermore, I direct, I direct, I direct the United States Attorney to prepare from the oral remarks I made here a certificate of contempt for my signature together with the judgment and commitment orders. How soon... You'll have to get the reporter to have that written up for you. How soon, Mr. Reporter, will it be before it's written? I'm glad I've got both of you here today. Six o'clock. Well, get it to Mr. Ferran as soon as you can, and then I'll ask Mr. Ferran to get the certificate to me, and the case will be continued until tomorrow morning. There will be an order in view of the disposition of this aspect of the case. There will be an order declaring a mistrial as to the defendant, Bobby G. Seal, and not as to any other defendant. Wait, wait a minute. I've got a right. What's this cat trying to pull, huh? I mean, now I'm leaving. I can't stay. The court will be continued until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for signing the certificate of contempt and to continue with the trial in respect to the other seven defendants. Everyone, please rise. If the court please, we have the jury to inform. Oh, yes. I'm glad you reminded me. Will Your Honor set a trial date for the defendant's seal? Uh, yeah, yes. I demand an immediate trial right now. Sit down, please. I Come to order. I demand an immediate trial right now. Yes, we'll give you a trial date. I'm talking about now, though. I don't want to be taken out. I have a right to go through this trial. A mistrial has been declared with respect to you, sir. Your trial will be conducted on April 23, 1970, at 10 o'clock in the morning.
I want an immediate trial right now, That's though. Right. Right now. I'm sorry, I can't try two cases at one time, sir. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I deeply regret having to keep you confined in the jury room this long, but there were matters the court had to consider with the parties and the counsel out of your presence. Since it is now nearly a quarter after four, we'll be in recess until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. The usual orders not to talk with anybody about this case or let anybody speak with you about it. Do not discuss the case among yourselves. Do not read the newspapers or any other journals. Do not listen to radio or television or look at television. If anybody attempts to talk with you about this case, please communicate with the United States Marshal, who will in turn lay the matter before me. Mr. Marshal... The court will be in recess until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Everyone will please rise. I still want an immediate trial. You can't call this a mistrial. I'm being put in jail for four years for nothing. I want...